brother i'm grace hello brother i'm stephanie and this is doppelgangers today we're talking about season five episode 18 of the vampire diaries which is called resident evil this was certainly an episode i mean this is what i was saying about season five is like man what is happening here and we can talk about as we go through but the travelers you can see why they're universally hated like what a dud and we finally get basically what their plan is and turns out this time they did want to be the mayor of mystic falls i know isn't that fucked up how is it season five and they just they're just like "Mm, i would just love to live in small town virginia and here's the thing this is actually so embarrassing now that these are the people that had the goal that i've been guessing for years i'm like wow woof (laughs) well at least like the thing is john gilbert wanting to be mayor of mystic falls though it was wrong at least was like grounded in some kind of logic that made sense when he had like his family connection, he wanted to be part of this town. How did the travelers pick this town? Like, were they just Googling like best small towns in America? Or is this because this is where the doppelgangers live? But then why wouldn't they go to Atlanta? Too big? I don't know. It seems like they've been picking a number of small towns to do this in and landed on Mystic Falls. But aren't you guys trying to avoid the witches stopping you? Maybe go to a town that doesn't have Mystic in the name. That's me. I just go to a town that doesn't have a witch presence, kidnap Stefan and Elena. What are we doing with the fucking, I mean, I know they're magic people, but what are we doing with the, oh, I'm going to give them visions to lead them to a house. Just put a bag over their head and throw them in a van. Yeah. <laughs> what why, why are you building this whole love story world? Go write a fucking book. Like, he is so unserious. What the fuck is Marcos he doing? is just daydreaming. Yeah, he's just watching people from the other side, like hoping they're like little dolls. Very C.C. Drake of him. He's like, this is how I'll get them to meet is I'll make I'll give them the promise of true love. Except I won't tell any of them about it. And if they happen to find out about what a doppelganger is, then they'll know that maybe they're supposed to find true love. That's the same amount of promise of true love that everybody gets. Yeah. The thing is, he makes it like this spell. I, I know we're getting ahead of ourselves. He makes it like this spell is like pushing the doppelgangers together. But really, he's just like making it so they're attracted to each other when they meet. It's like, it's Paul Wesley and Nina Dobrev. They're two hot people. (laughs) Yeah, I don't think you needed a spell for that. I think they're going to be attracted to each other, especially considering that, like, the whole reason it started was that Silas and and Amara were already attracted to each other. Again, just knock them out, bring them somewhere, take their blood, you're done. Why are you overcomplicating this? Like, why are you doing all this chanting bullshit? You're going to be able to then whatever settle wherever you want to settle why even bother with all the passengers yeah unless they're like getting better bodies yeah like i i would get that if they all look like tyler absolutely but you're not going to find a town with a bunch of hot people anyway much to discuss that's just the tip of the iceberg i just couldn't (laughs) hold it in these travelers are so fucking stupid (laughs) but before we dig into all of this we're going to take a quick ad break As always, I will start by reading the synopsis from Vampire Diaries Wiki. Both Stefan and Elena are suddenly having unsettling dreams of an alternate version of the life they might have had together. Bonnie has a disturbing encounter with Grams, who warns her about frightening changes on the other side. Enzo gives Damon unwanted relationship advice, then admits he is searching for a woman he loved decades before while he was held captive by the Augustines. 
Liv enlists Matt, Jeremy, and Tyler to help track the travelers and keep them from taking control of Mystic Falls. Bonnie is hurt and angry when she learns that Jeremy is working with Liv behind her back. Luke shows up at the Salvatore house and explains what he knows about Marcos and the travelers to Damon, Elena, and Enzo. Matt has a terrifying encounter with inhabitants of the other side. Finally, when Damon finds Marcos, he is both relieved and disturbed by what Marcos has to tell him. Everybody is just walking around, talking to people, getting all this bullshit on the table. It's so much information. I said this in a recent episode, but as someone who has watched this season like three times, I can't even effectively gaslight you because the Traveler's goals make no sense to me. Yeah. I don't even understand what we were going for here. <laughs> like, I'm sorry, Julie Pleck. This is not your finest You lost work. me here. You lost me. And it's sad because the first two chapters of the season are fun. Like the Augustine chapter is fun and interesting. Yeah. And then we have all this bullshit. It's season five. I know that it's, you know, hard to write a lot of good seasons, but you should have like talent out your ass at this point. Like everyone wants to be on this show. How are these actors so boring? And also mind you, when Julie Pleck pitched the Vampire Diaries, it was pitched as a, as a 13 season show. Mm-hmm. Everyone's contracts only went to a certain season. I'm not going to say which season that was because that's when Nina Dobrev decided to leave. In seven or eight, wherever she leaves. Yeah. And so if you're telling me you wanted to do 13 seasons of this and this is what you're doing in season five, five. girl, I don't think I could have made it through 13. And all (laughs) love, all of the Vampire Diaries. We'll see if it gets better in the later seasons. Perhaps it will. But this end of season five is just like, girl, what are we doing? What's this all for? It's stinky doo-doo. No Klaus. No Alaric. <laughs> just Murkos. <laughs> and I should also mention before we get into the episode that this episode is directed by none other than King Icon Legend, Paul Wesley. And it's always fun when, especially on teen dramas, they like to do this. Like, you know, an actor on a teen drama loves to direct an episode of that teen drama because it gets them into directing. With pretty low stakes. With because... pretty low stakes because, you know, the formula is They're on the show. Set. Yeah. It's and set. you can see as a fan of film, I love episodes like this because you can always see an actor is trying to like do something really unique where like a normal director is not trying to be like crazy. It's usually like, I'm just getting through the script. But Paul Wesley does a couple really fun shots here. Like, look at me. I can yeah. direct. I'm directing. I'm directing. Like, did you notice that directing choice I made? Now, there's one specifically I'm thinking about, but. I love a long running TV show where the actors get to direct. And mm-hmm. I, the classic example I think of it is Criminal Minds because you get to an episode that Matthew Gray Gubler directed and you're like, okay, bitch, I hear the music. I hear the fucking creepiness you're doing. I get it. Thank you, Matthew. I got, I got the message. I got it. <laughs> They're good episodes. I feel like if I don't make that clear, that could rub people the wrong way. You're a Matthew Gray Gubler <laughs> fan. You support him yes. as we all do. Doesn't make him not goofy. As a condition of being an actor, they have to learn how to brand themselves. And so they have to keep doing it in directing, too. And they have to prove themselves because they're actors. And they also have to be on the show that they're directing. Anyway, I love Paul Wesley. I would support him in all of his endeavors were I his wife. I just want to have that on mic. Just, I just want to make sure he knows that. In case he's listening. <laughs> we start the episode in the town square. And immediately there's something off because Elena not only has her hair straightened, but she's wearing an outfit very similar to the outfit she was wearing in the pilot. Not exactly the same, but very similar. Yeah, it's definitely an early Elena look, straight hair, and she's writing in her diary. So at first I'm like, oh, it's kind of weird that her hair is straight. And then pretty quickly I was like, okay, 
Oh, I thought it was a flashback at first. Yeah, and I mean, if we don't immediately know something's wrong, they're playing like Mad World. All around me are familiar faces, worn out places, worn out faces. Which is always like, hmm, something's off. Yeah, which I was like, okay, I get it. It's not as it seems. Elena is journaling and she tears a page out because I guess she went off too hard on whatever she was journaling about. Who knows what she was journaling about? Her parents are alive. Yeah, exactly. What, what is there to talk about? She's just talking about, I don't know, her day, her daily life. Yeah. The paper blows away and she chases it. And a man picks it up. And who is it but Stefan Salvatore? He says, lose something. And she says, yes, <laughs> it's a particularly mortifying page for my journal. And he says, oh, you censor your journal. Pretty sure that's against journal rules. I journal. It's also goofy that they're calling it journal instead of diary. Yeah. Which, like, I'm sure they've done before, but it's, They always you know, say journal. I don't know. I'm just noticing it more right now. Even though they are their vampire diaries, they refer to them as their journals. We know the show's called Vampire Diaries. They don't know they're on a show. Well, yeah, and I, I don't think Stefan would call it a diary, even if that's what it is. Yeah. Elena says, I'm pretty sure you're not the journal police. He takes out a badge and he says, want to bet? He says, well, actually, I kind of am. <laughs> and at this point, we don't know that, you know, he's not a vampire in this alternate universe. And I was like, well, he is kind of the journal police. He's been journaling for like 100 years more than you. So yeah, he's got a little bit more expertise. <laughs> and she says, trust me, it's really bad. And he says, oh, I'm officially intrigued. She says, I'm officially not kidding. He's better than me because I would have already started reading. I would have picked it up and like walked away with it and read it. I wouldn't have said anything to her. Oh, no, I would have had this conversation, but I would be like, trying to hold eye contact while also reading and it would have been so obvious i'd be looking up and down and up and down she holds out her hands and he does hand the page back and their hands linger for a second sparks are flying stelena girlies you get a break today i mean grow up get something else if you're a stelena stan in season five i need you to let it go i'm so sorry i feel like a stelena stan at this point if they've decided that that's who they are above all else they had to have stopped watching by now i will say though I would say being a Stelena stan in season five would be like being a Betty and Archie stan in the beginning of Riverdale. But that paid off for them. That's true. That is true. And I will say, you know, Julie Pluck has said, were the show to run for 13 seasons as she originally intended, (laughs) Elena was going to switch a few more times (laughs) before ultimately ending up with neither of them. I think we've talked about that before. Yes. Yes. Maybe Stelena girlies in another life, you would have gotten more, but- in this life, this is what you get. But much like Elena said, this one's real. Yeah. So <laughs> so <laughs> she says, thanks for handing me back my journal pages. I'm Elena. And he says, I'm Stefan. And then a car honks at them. And we briefly see Stefan in real life running out of the street to get out of the way of the car. Mm-hmm. But at the moment, it's kind of unclear if it's real life or the vision still. Yeah. But it's real life. And then at Whitmore, Elena wakes up. She gasps. She's like sweating. So we know it was a dream. Caroline says, you okay? And Elena says, yeah, I just had a really crazy dream. Then we go over to the Salvatore house. Damon and Enzo are playing pool. Boys being dudes. Boys day. Enzo says, okay, so you guys broke up. That I get. Then you slept together. Not smart, but again, I get it. Now here's where it gets a bit hazy for me. You went to a parent-teacher conference? He says, now Damon, that sounds goofy even for you. Damon says, Jeremy was having trouble at school. Enzo's like, who gives a shit? Enzo says, who the fuck is Jeremy? (laughs) Oh, the one I almost killed? I vaguely remember him. Enzo says, right. Then the kicker. You offer to drive her back to campus, and she says she can't be around you. 
I mean, I'm just confused thinking about it. Like, I can't imagine how you feel. Enzo's so silly goofy. He loves this gossip. He's just living. Enzo loves nothing more than being able to, like, interact socially with people after 70 years of captivity. One thing about Enzo, he's going to be gossiping. He's going to be eavesdropping. He's going to be sticking his nose in business. That's why he and Caroline are buddies. I love him. I Like, I want him. I need him. He's like if Klaus was able to let a couple things roll off his back a little more. Yeah, he's like less insecure <laughs> Klaus. Yeah. <laughs> because, you know, you're in captivity for so long. How much can you really be insecure about? You've worked through a lot of your shit, I'm sure. Yeah, all you really have is yourself. So he's like, I'm actually pretty comfortable with myself. Yeah, I'm pretty good. <laughs> yeah, this is like if Klaus were secure. And don't get me wrong. I love Klaus too. Yeah, that's my king right there. Enzo says, of course, the friends phase, where you, her friend, watch as she moves on with her life and finds a new boyfriend, perhaps a nice gentleman from a fraternity, Chance or Brock. This is hysterical Mm -hmm. because there's so much here, like responding to like relationships, particularly in like TV shows and pop culture. And it's like you were in captivity for so long. Did you like get out and watch all of Friends and then like learn about fraternities? I love it. He's a student of life. He's putting the work in. I mean, we have to remember he was with the Travelers for a couple weeks. They can't be keeping him busy all day. He just downloaded some movies on his phone. He said, don't worry, you guys call me when you need me. I'm going to just sit right here. I have a lot to catch up on. You would not believe who Monica slept with at Ross's wedding. He's like, have you guys seen (laughs) New Girl? It's hysterical. And the Travelers are like, no. And he's like, oh my God, I can't recommend it enough. At first, you don't really know what they're going to do with Winston, but I think they figure it out. Yeah, but they really seem to have fun with him. (laughs) Damon says, does your mysteriously missing girlfriend know how insufferable you are? Maybe that's why you haven't found her. She doesn't want to be found. I mean, we have to entertain the possibility, don't we? Enzo says, I haven't found her because the travelers, i.e. my only lead, decided to play a fun game of spontaneous combustion before giving me what they promised. And Damon says, right, now you're here annoying me. And Enzo says we could always go kill people, but I suppose that's what got you into this problem in the first place. Enzo said, I'm just having a good time wherever I am. It happens to be here for the moment. He said, one thing about me is I, I'm high on life, baby. <laughs> yeah, I mean, nothing to be sad about when you're Enzo. You're out, you're walking around, you get to play pool, you get to drink bourbon, you get to drink more than three ounces of blood a day. I mean, you get to talk to someone other than a Whitmore. Yeah, I mean, it's a win. It's a good day to be Enzo. <laughs> Every day is now. We go over to the grill. Caroline and Elena arrive, and Caroline's like, oh, I guess my mom's not here yet. I'll go get us some coffees. And Elena says, sure. And then she fiddles with her keys, and she drops them. And this is where Paul Wesley said, I'm directing, bitch, because she drops the keys. They're, like, on the camera lens, which transitions us to a vision where Stefan picks them up from a camera lens. Oh, I know he said, oh, I'm eating. He said, I got something. He said, you want, you guys want to get your minds blown? He walked, saw this multiverse bullshit could run. He walked into the CW and said, I'm going to make history. Yeah, and that's exactly that's what, what he did. did. <laughs> <laughs> Stefan picks up her keys and she says, I'm going to need these. <laughs> Sorry, I'm so clumsy. <laughs> so clumsy and cute. And Stefan says, so you hated the movie, huh? And she says, no, I didn't hate it. I just <laughs> wasn't exactly paying attention either. And he says, well, if you weren't going to pay attention, can I get my money for the ticket back? And he said, well, if you weren't going to pay attention, can you pay me? tickets aren't cheap and you wanted popcorn and chocolate and soda so yeah i just feel like if you didn't want to pay attention to a movie so bad why'd we even bother and while we're at it you ate like half my milk duds so if you want to split those that would work with me (laughs) they both at the same time like speak over each other she asks him to dinner and he says we should do this again sometime so they agree they say yeah 
they look at each other and then they kiss. And I'm like, I don't remember this happening. Yeah. And also they're outside <laughs> a house that is not the old Gilbert house. Yeah. Or the Salvatore house. It's a completely different house. Mirko's thought this was going to be enough, but they don't pick up on this. Yeah. He's like, man, you guys really focused on the kissing instead of the the actual information. It's like, you're the one who wanted to use true love. Stop with the fanfics. He said, I'm too good at fanfic. And it's lazy fanfic too. I mean, it, yeah. talk Delena fanfic in season five. Come on, Mirko. Delena fanfic where they go to see a movie and then come home and kiss. Lame. Boo. There's a better Stelena fanfic out there. Marcos is not the writer I would read. The lights on the porch turn on and Elena says, sorry, <laughs> that's my dad waiting up for me. So embarrassing. At first I saw the lights turn on and then I was like, and then she started talking. I was like, wow, they didn't even pay Sarah Canning for this episode because I thought we were going to get like, oh, my aunt wants me back. And then she dropped the dad thing. And I was like, oh, shit. Okay, so this is some totally different. Stefan says, I'm really looking forward to dinner. She says, me too. They say goodnight, and then they keep looking at each other while she goes inside. And then we go back to the grill. Caroline says, okay, my mom's five minutes away. Elena. And Elena, like, comes too. And she's like, how'd I get here? I was just standing at the doorway. And Caroline says, you walked? Caroline's like, we're we going to have to do something weird today. Like, are we? so we're not having a normal lunch. She said, I just want to have lunch with my mom. I want to get the BLT here. I've been craving it. I've been craving their chicken club. You'd love to talk about the chicken club at the grill. I didn't know if I said that before. You it's... did say it once before that, that Elena always gets the chicken club. It just felt like a thing that is like, I'm sure they have a chicken would club have there. That, I'm, that is just like good. It's so funny when you said the first, when you said BLT, I was like, is she going to say chicken club again? I guess I just wanted chicken club. Anyway, Caroline says, hang on. Did you just have one of those dreams like right here? And Elena says, it doesn't really feel like a dream. It like it felt really real, like I was there. Caroline says, weird. Elena says, Caroline, if you bite your tongue any harder, you'll bleed. Say it. And Caroline says, okay, well, it's psych 101. Actually, it's whatever comes before 101. I love that line. She said, actually, it's fucking remedial. Yeah. <laughs> she said, you told Damon that you couldn't see him anymore, and now you're having dreams about Stefan. And Elena says, well, it's not just about Stefan, because my parents were still alive, and it was like a different life. So there. So, huh? <laughs> Caroline gets a call. It's Stefan. So she says, Stefan, hey, everything okay? And Stefan says, you know how sometimes you feel crazy and you call me and I tell you that you're not crazy? Need me a man like that? Yeah. She says, even though most of the time I am. And he says, okay, well, I need you to tell me that I'm not crazy. And Caroline says, no promises. She's real for that. She says, well, I won't lie. <laughs> <laughs> Stefan says, I was walking to my car and I nearly got plowed over in the middle of the street because I was having some vision of Elena. And Caroline says, I take that back. Actually, you're not crazy at all. Something's going on. We go over to Whitmore. Bonnie's on the phone. She calls Jeremy. She gets his voicemail because he is garbage. She says, <laughs> hey, Jeremy, it's me, <laughs> Bonnie, <laughs> your girlfriend. Your girlfriend, your loving girlfriend, who is also going through quite a bit at the moment. <laughs> Just in case you need reminding, which I'm happy to keep doing until you call me back. So call me. She's not doing great. And then all of a sudden, wind blows. And she turns. As she turns, we see we're on the other side. We can tell because it's blue and hazy like the other side is. Yeah, but it's more hazy than usual. It's. I guess we haven't really been fully on the other side lately. We've seen people talk to Bonnie, but we're really, we're really in it, it feels yeah, like. we are. And she sees Grams. And she says, hey, Grams. And Grams says, hey, girly, I heard that the Travelers did a number on you last night. And Bonnie says, huh, do you read that in the other side newsletter? Grams isn't laughing. Yeah, Grams is like, girl, do you think I came here to say hi? I don't just <laughs> show up here for fun. Uh, Bonnie says, Grams, you don't look right. 
Angram says, yeah, something's wrong over here. Some of the witches think the travelers tried to overwhelm you so someone could get through. And Bonnie says, as in, come back. And Graham says, look, whoever he is, he's hiding from us. And now this place is... And then it starts like rumbling and making noises. Yeah, like a thunderstorm earthquake vibe. Yeah, and Graham's like, well, <laughs> I guess I, I don't need to say anymore. Well, I guess you get it. <laughs> Bonnie says, that wasn't creepy. And she says, what's going on over here? And Graham says, I don't know. But whatever the travelers did and whoever managed to get through... It's got the witches scared. And this is also interesting because it's not like this is the first time someone's ever come back to life. I know it's like technically the first time someone's gone through the anchor that we know of. Yeah. It's unclear what is causing the disruption decay of the other side. I guess I assumed it was because it was Marcos that it was a traveler and that the other side was kind of a traveler invention. That was my kind of call last episode too, but that I guess doesn't get confirmed in any way. I will say this is the other problem with the travelers. And I guess this just is like a feature of a show going on for five seasons. So like when you have to deepen the lore, you're going to create potholes that weren't here before. Mm -hmm. But from what we have heard before, the other side was a witch invention. Yeah. Like witches have free reign on the other side. But now travelers created the other side. And if travelers created the other side, who hate witches, why would they give witches free reign? Or did witches backdoor <laughs> their way into it? It's like, if you start thinking too much about it, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Which I know that we're just not really supposed to think about it in that way. But like, from what we understand, witches are like the queens of the other side. I know there's a schism in the travelers. There's like, there's a lot of pieces yeah. that's like, I don't know exactly what you're trying to tell me with this. Well, it's also that the other side was created around the same time as the schism, it appears. We know that Ketsia created the other side Mm -hmm. to trap Silas. So yes, we know it was created by a traveler, but Ketsia feels like she has more allegiance to witches and also Bonnie's a descendant of Ketsia. So is Bonnie a traveler or a witch? And are they really that separate? Because the travelers act like they're so different from the witches. So it's unclear if the schism was like two groups of travelers or then travelers and witches. Because yeah. Mirko says there was a schism that allowed for the rise of witches, which implies that witches are separate from travelers completely. Yeah, because it seems like Katsia and Silas both kind of considered themselves witches yes. more than travelers. So it may have been that they were witches. And then when they fucked their shit up as they did, that was what somehow led to the schism. That's my, been my assumption like this whole time, essentially. But so that might just be me coloring it with my own. Yeah, guess. it's it's just in general. This is the, this is the problem with the travelers as a whole is like it doesn't really make a ton of sense like how different they are if at all it seems like the travelers just decided to be a click but then it's like why are you guys chanting so weird Well, and also it's like they decide to be a click but then their life has been so much worse because of it so why wouldn't you just be like you know what i'm gonna go to the other side of the schism Yeah, you know, why wouldn't you just convert away from Judaism? Okay. In the Holocaust. When you say it like that, it does sound (laughs) stupid. Uh, But, you know, the travelers, it's obviously a stupider. Like, it's it's stupider than that. I just have to say it. No, you're right. No, you're right. I get it. I get, I mean, it just, again, the show has been going on a long time. I think the other side, they had an idea for what the other side was going to be. And they had to create lore and they had to complicate it to keep the show Mm -hmm. heightening. But now it just seems like they've muddied a lot about like, what is the other side really for? And who created it for what? And I do get the sense that they kind of feel that happening and that that's part of the reason that they seem to be wanting to collapse yeah. it. Julie Plex said, we got to get rid of this thing. Julie Plex <laughs> like, okay, this this mountain has really become a molehill. 
<laughs> she said, she said, it's getting away from me a little bit. I got to get rid of it. It's time to explode it somehow. Yeah, she said, I can't handle this anymore. And then she couldn't really quite figure it out, which led us to the travelers, I fear. Yeah, exactly. And again, this show so rarely feels that like unpolished. Thrown together. Like yeah. usually, you know, not that there's never been a plot hole before, but it usually feels like they're not so glaring or yeah. confusing. Yeah, it's usually like, okay, no, you're simplifying the lore. Yeah. I get it. I'm not going to dig into it. But this, it's like, what is their thing? Yeah, it's like, what exactly? Are, I, I am so unclear. It's like, so they're evil, right? Like, they're evil, <laughs> but like, they, all they want to do is live in Mystic Falls? It, it just seems like they're overcomplicating themselves, which obviously is a must be a side effect of however they're being written. Because I'm like, what is your guys' whole deal? Yeah. yeah, you all seem to be doing something for a reason, but it's hard to follow. And that's the thing. Villains usually have like a very clear defined goal and they know mm-hmm. it from the beginning and all of their actions support it. But this whole season, it's like the travelers keep changing their goal. First, they mm-hmm. want Silas dead, but they don't ever really do anything about that. And then yeah. all of a sudden they want to live in Mystic Falls. It's just like, why would they have even bothered with Silas? Well, they needed the doppelganger's dead. For- sure power apparently yeah i just it it's very un it's like totally unclear in a way that this show usually isn't so it's quite frustrating at the end of this season i can follow a lot of bullshit in a tv show i'm happy to be along for the ride we watched pretty little liars till the end we followed it and i i actively liked the last season of pretty little liars i have to say it on mic multiple times because i know people talk shit on it and you can talk shit on it but i that i'm not changing my mind but i I will say like no matter what you can say about Pretty Little Liars, like, is it stupid <laughs> that the answer is that someone had an evil twin? Yes. But you can follow the logic. And say what you will about the evil twin. They were able to build that into the past A's relatively seamlessly. I mean, yeah. you know, not perfect. I'm not saying that. But they were able to connect them together in a way that made sense. Yes. And that's the thing. In is the like, context. The past villains, like, there's always been a very clear goal what they want. And mm-hmm. usually it comes down to something like love or acceptance. Mm-hmm. And the travelers, it's like, I mean, maybe they're trying to make it as simple as like home. Yeah. But then why wouldn't they want to settle in Greece or something? I just don't understand. <laughs> it just seems like it's taken them such an insanely long time to settle somewhere that I'm starting to think they don't want to. Yeah. Like, I'm sorry. I know the witches are stopping you from settling, blah, 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 blah. It's been 1,500 years, and you're able to do this passenger spell. I'm not sure what the holdup has been. Yeah. You know, seemingly there's a number of these knives, and this is the last one. But still, 1,500 years to get rid of what can't be more than, like, five knives. Yeah. It just seems like they're not very good at anything, except traveling. And they don't even want to do that. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, we go over to the Lockwood house. Liv is standing in front of the boys, hip popped with a knife. One thing about Liv is she's going to pop that hip. Yeah, it's out. That little tiny booty she has is going to be out. Oh, yeah. Liv is talking to Matt and Tyler and Jeremy, uh, her her three kings. She says, the travelers are here, and our goal is to get rid of them. But before I put my faith in the three stooges, I need to make sure none of you are harboring a passenger. Matt says, you want us to stab ourselves? Liv says, this knife is the only thing that'll get rid of them. And Matt says, again, you want us to stab ourselves? I don't know why you're asking, Matt. She's made it pretty clear. And 
She's pointing. You had a passenger before, so it is fair to stab you. Yeah, you know the vibes. And it is funny because they seem to be like aware that the travelers are here, but they're still moving pretty slow. Like they're pretty relaxed in this camp. And aren't you guys the ones who like know the most? Yeah, aren't you guys the ones who are actively like trying to stop the travelers? Yeah. And this is what you're doing today? Jeremy says, just do it so we can get on with this. And Matt says, yeah, says the hunter with the traveler proof head. Because Jeremy's not getting stabbed. And Tyler mm-hmm. says, I'll do it. And Matt says, yeah, and the hybrid who heals, stabbing is going to be worse for me. Matt's like, I don't want to get stabbed. Like, it's easier for you. You got <laughs> shot in front of a whole town and survived. You can handle the stabbing. Tyler says, dude, you have a magic ring that brings you back from the dead. Quit bitching. In case you forgot about that ring, we're going to need that information later. Yeah. Keep that exposition in your head, everyone. <laughs> Tyler takes the knife and stabs himself like in the stomach. And Liv is watching him and you can tell she's like, okay, you're sexy. She's like, hmm, interesting. You know, Jeremy's looking a little wimpy next to you. She's like, Jeremy's got some hot friends. <laughs> Liv wipes the knife and then holds it up to Matt's shoulder and says, shoulder, shouldn't hurt too much, not too deep. I can help you if you want. And then Matt stabs himself and pulls it out because he's not going to be emasculated. But he does groan when he does it, unlike Tyler. <laughs> he can't help it. <laughs> <laughs> so he does his best. Liv says, so much testosterone, so few brain cells. And Jeremy says, all right, we are in the clear. Do you want to tell us exactly what we're doing here? And Liv says, easy. You just have to do that about 100 more times, only to other people. Liv says, the truth is that my coven have been tracking the travelers for thousands of years. They're always on the move. But there have been a few times in history when they have stopped to gather. We can see, while she's talking about this, the travelers are gathering. We see Marcos's face. We'll talk more about Marcos's face when we talk to him, I think. Marcos says something in check. And Liv says, the freaky part is, no one's ever noticed. Because one by one, they've taken over towns by putting passengers inside of the townsfolk. We think they're doing the same thing in Mystic Falls. So it's interesting that they've, like, done this before and it seems to have worked. Yeah, so are there just some towns that are, like, passenger towns? Yeah. But that's the thing is, like, when the human's body dies, what happens to the traveler? They go back to their old body? Like, do they just hang out? Anyway. And, but what I do want to ask about, Liv has mentioned a couple times before, and she mentions it here as well, her coven. So we know that she operates with a group of people other than just her and Luke. We can assume maybe Hazel is a part of their coven or was. She's dead. Oh, yeah. Do you have any expectations about the coven she's from? Do you think we'll learn more about this coven? That's a good question. I hadn't considered it much. I mean, I think... We will learn more about it. And I do have to float again that, you know, she did end up at Whitmore where Sheila taught. And she said she didn't know Sheila, but she also said she didn't know magic. So and she clearly was targeting this group. Bonnie. Yeah. Yeah. So I think there's a potential that Sheila knows who these people are or that she like interacted with this group of witches in some way or another. Interesting. We'll see if we learn more about that, Coven. We see the travelers like creating passengers of people in Mystic Falls, including our dear friend, Sheriff Liz Forbes, who yeah. we actually haven't seen in a while. I was going to say, because her name was in the credits as like guest starring, because she has yeah. not really been around as much. Yeah. We go over to the Salvatore house. Enzo and Damon are still playing pool. Guys being dudes. Yeah. Just lots of games of pool. The bourbon is flowing. Wonderful day. Boys day. They finish a game. And Enzo says, care to lose again? Or shall we move on to step two of elena Liss Damon? And Damon says, you know, bringing up her name defeats the purpose of me trying to forget about her. Well, you were never going to do that anyway. <laughs> yeah. Enzo says, bringing up whose name? He's goofing. <laughs> He's giggling. Damon's phone vibrates. And he says, oh, speak of the devil. Because Elena's calling him about the visions. 
at the grill, we can see Elena's like, oh my God, Damon's not picking up. What the fuck? I thought he was in love with me. Yeah. Caroline approaches Matt, who is bussing, as he do. And she says, hey, have you heard from my mom? And Matt says, no, why? And Caroline says, well, she was supposed to meet me here, and now she's not texting me back. If you see her, will you let her know that something came up? And Matt says, yeah, of course. But he clocks this because he has a suspicion about what's up with the sheriff. Yeah. Back at the Salvador house, Damon declines the call. And he wants applause. Strength. He says, everybody <laughs> clap. <laughs> he says Damon one temptation zero which is so funny because you know if there was no one else in that room he would have answered that on the first fucking ring yeah if Enzo wasn't there he would have been like Elena hello want to get back together <laughs> then because they do have to talk to them Caroline calls Enzo Enzo says oop temptation one Enzo <laughs> then he answers immediately he's so cutie he says hello gorgeous <laughs> and she says we're not doing that she says okay <laughs> She says, can you let Damon know there's something going on with Elena and Stefan? Enzo like nods at Damon and Damon like groans. But Enzo puts the phone on speaker and Damon says, what? (laughs) And Caroline says, you know how we all laugh about the notion that the universe was drawing Stefan and Elena together? Damon says, I didn't laugh. (laughs) Damon says, I don't remember laughing one fucking bit. Damon says, who laughed? (laughs) I never, I never let out a a chuckle. I cried. (laughs) Uh, He says, yeah. And Caroline says, okay, well, that is happening. And he said, so see, I was right to be crazy about it. <laughs> and Damon says, what's happening? And Caroline says, now that Stefan's doppelhim, Tom, is dead, Stefan and Elena are the last pair of doppelgangers, which might explain why Stefan and Elena are suddenly having vision-type situations of each other. And, like, I kind of get this logic that since they're the last two doppelgangers, that's where these visions are coming from. But don't you kind of assume that maybe a witch is doing this? Even at this point, I was like, oh, yeah, they're the last two doppelgangers. So the travelers are giving them these visions. Like, that's kind of what I thought immediately when she said this. So when they, like, reveal it's Murakos later, I was like, was that a reveal? I thought you just told us this. Yeah, they're trying to make it seem like it's, like, the prophecy that's doing this. Mm -hmm. The prophecy that, by the way, never really, I I just don't ever felt like, I never felt like it really held. Because, again, it's a prophecy that's like, oh, if these two ever ever meet, they'll want a date. Yeah, they're two hot people. I always felt like it was like more of a prophecy I felt was too big of a word for it. Yeah. Like, I think that there is like this pull in the universe to bring things together. That made sense to me. Mm -hmm. But like, not that it was like insurmountable, you know? Yeah. And also, even if this prophecy were true, again, this is a doppelganger mismatch generation wise. Now, I understand there's the last two left. So maybe that overpowers it. But that doesn't explain it, you know? Caroline says that might explain why, you know, they're having vision type situations of each other. Damon says, what kind of visions? And Enzo says, you know what? She's not telling you. Somebody's having sex dreams. And Elena says, they are not sex dreams. And Caroline says, yeah, yeah, they're more like romance dreams. Damon's like, that's worse. <laughs> I, I'd rather they be sex dreams than romance <laughs> dreams. <laughs> Damon says, I don't need to know that. Okay, where's Stefan? And Caroline says he went to the traveler camp to see if anyone's still there that can tell him what's going on. And Enzo says, yeah, good luck with that. And so it's like they literally all burned up. Like, why would they be there? Caroline says, well, it's our only lead, okay? All we know is that Tom is dead. The travelers just committed a mass suicide. And now Stefan and Elena, who are clearly not together anymore, are having intense visions of each other. Yeah, she added that last bit just for Damon. Yeah. <laughs> Damon says, find a witch, get her over here, and let's figure out what the hell is going on. We go over to the Lockwood house. Jeremy answers the door and Bonnie's there. And Bonnie says, surprise, actually not really because I left you a voicemail and I texted. She's like, actually, what the fuck is up? Your girlfriend's here. Are you excited? Jeremy says, I know. Sorry, I've just been busy moving and stuff. 
Yeah, moving all the stuff that burned down in the house fire. Yeah, Bonnie, Bonnie immediately was like, right, all your stuff. Like, you don't have that much stuff. When he left the Salvador house, he had one duffel bag. He's moved in. Yeah, I don't imagine he had another trip to make. She says, anyway, I'm not even going to touch that. I need your help. I think something's going on on the other side. Jeremy says, well, what do you mean? And she says, well, Graham says that the witches are worried that someone got out. And I thought since you could see ghosts, even though Jeremy hasn't seen a lot of ghosts lately, so it's kind of unclear if he still does that. Yeah, that's not really his main thing. But she's looking for an excuse to talk to her boyfriend. Liv appears and says, come on, Jeremy, back to work. And Bonnie says, oh, fuck no. She says, not you. Not you, you little bitch. Bonnie says, Liv's here? Are you kidding me? And Liv says, it's not what it looks like. Jeremy hired me to help him with math. What? If you're gonna lie. That's rude. Don't insult her intelligence. At this point, it would honestly be kinder to lie and say you're hooking up with him. Yes. Like, math. 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 Why are you taking a math class in college? What is your major? There's absolutely no way you're taking a math class. And even if you were, if Jeremy's helping you with it, what is it? Algebra one? Yeah, Jeremy, who famously cheated on all his tests and is in high school. What exactly math is he helping you with? (laughs) It's just like, that lie is almost bitchier than just saying, I'm not going to tell you. Because it's so obviously a lie. Yeah. Bonnie says, right, was that before you lied to my face and tried to kill his sister? Tell me what's going on. Liv doesn't answer that. Yeah, because Bonnie's like, did we forget that she just tried to kill Elena? Like, why are you hanging out with her at all? Which is weird that he's not answering. Yeah, and Jeremy says, look, I can't tell you what's going on. Sorry, we have this handled. I just need you to trust me, okay? And Bonnie leaves because she's like, okay, well, clearly I'm getting nowhere with that. And Jeremy turns to Liv and says, I told you I didn't want to keep any secrets. Then just tell Bonnie Then why didn't you just tell her? What's Liv going to do? Kill you? She needs you. You're the one person who can't get a passenger. You might as well tell Bonnie. Spit it out. Beat her to it. Say, sorry. Liv says nothing personal, Jeremy, but sneaking up on the travelers requires them to not know that we're doing it. I already broke my rule once for Matt and Tyler. I'm not doing it again. Here's a solution, girl. You're not even sneaking up on the travelers. Yeah. Well, first of all, let let me tell you one thing. If you're having a leak, it's Matt or Tyler. You already brought them in. You might as well bring Bonnie in too because at least she knows them and can maybe handle them a little bit. Because frankly, no one should be going anywhere by themselves. You really should be using a buddy system. I know you're sneaking up, but friends can hang out and still make it a buddy system. It just seems dumb to not involve Bonnie when, you know, obviously this this ends up being the case that Matt or Tyler is much more likely to be the one to fuck it up. Well, it just seems like they should be having buddy system regardless, and it can't hurt to have someone else involved because it's not like, like Bonnie has expertise on the other side. It just, Mm -hmm. it feels like why not involve Bonnie? Well, because also Bonnie's capable of asking around on the other side and asking whoever she wants. Jeremy has to hope the other person wants to come see him. Like, it's just useful to have her. Mm -hmm. Tyler comes in on the phone. He says, where are you now? And Matt is in the sheriff's office and he says, I'm checking on the sheriff, but she's not here. And he notices some papers on the floor and he says, look, I know it's probably nothing, but if I were going to take over a town and Tyler says, you'd start at the top, don't do anything stupid till I get there. And Matt says, well, I can't do anything at all till you bring the traveler knife. So hurry up. They hang up the phone, but the sheriff has appeared again. You people should not be talking so loud on the phone. Be aware of your surroundings. Let's not say if you have, you know, one weapon and it's called the traveler knife, it's not even called something secret. Let's not say it on the, let's say, hey, can you bring my keys back? I don't know. Give a, give a little nickname. Or just say like, 
hey, I'm checking on the sheriff. She's not here. Let's meet downtown because Caroline's worried about her mom. There's just no point in being so open on the phone. If you're going to say everything, just text it. Yeah. The sheriff appears and she says, traveling knife. And Matt says, hey, sheriff. The passenger in the sheriff and Matt, neither of them are hiding this well. It is just like a race (laughs) to the bottom here. Yeah. She says, who are you talking to? She grabs her gun as a show of, you know, threat, but she puts it on the table. Matt says, Caroline, she said you missed lunch. So I said I'd check up on you. This would be a good lie, again, if he hadn't mentioned the traveling knife. And the passenger doesn't let this go. The sheriff says, you mentioned a traveling knife, which, again, it's so funny that it doesn't have another name. Matt says, did I? Maybe you misheard. <laughs> no, I said strangler fife. No, I said traveler wife. You know, the time traveler's wife. Did you read that book? Oh, so I, good. I have a book club later. And he <laughs> and, and, my, and Tyler has to bring my copy because I left it at home. Yeah. I always forget the full name, so I call it traveler wife. Because I know there's a wife and someone's traveling. I hear they're making a movie. (laughs) No, that's not what he says. He says, did I? I wish he'd been like, oh, yeah, I'm taking a cooking class. And I have this really cool, like, it's it's this Italian company that makes these knives. So I call it my traveler knife because it travels here from Italy. It's a knife with a map of the world on it. It's from the company Traveler. (laughs) At least, like, try. I think no matter what he says, he's getting stabbed in the neck. (laughs) But I think you could cover it up a little better. Yeah. The sheriff stabs him in the neck and says, I didn't mishear you. So, again, they gave them, they gave the travelers a decent amount of information, but no one mentioned the ring. Yeah, that is the thing. The travelers seem to have studied up on the people in the town, but not enough to know. I mean, maybe they don't care if Matt dies or they don't care that Matt comes back and snitches. Uh, I mean, maybe they got some old documents from like when the show started. Some old intel from like season Or something. Three. Like they said, and finally, we can use this intel we got from John Gilbert, the mayor of Mystic Falls. <laughs> we go out to the street. Bonnie is walking to her car and she sees Matt. She says, oh, hey, Matt, what are you doing here? He says, the thing is, I'm dead, but the sheriff's <laughs> in trouble. <laughs> he said, but let me get the more important part out. And she says, what? And Matt says, tell Jeremy, he'll know what I mean. I'm really sorry to do this to you. I did get stabbed in the neck. (laughs) So he touches her, (laughs) passes through her. She She screams. screams. He wakes up in his body on the other side, and he's at the cemetery. He's actually right by Jenna's grave. Eagle-eyed viewers will notice. (laughs) He looks at this guy who's staring at him, guy on the other side. And he says, can you see me? The guy nods. And Matt says, are you a witch? The guy shakes his head. Matt says, how? He doesn't answer that because he would have to use words. Yeah, this guy's like, how the fuck do I know? He's like, I'm just sitting here. Then Cole appears. And it's like, okay, him again. It's like, not you. (laughs) He's been waiting for someone to do his little... One thing about Cole is he loves to talk. And he loves to hear the sound of his own voice. And so he's loving having an audience again. And like, he can hear the sound of his own voice, but it's not fun if no one's reacting to it. Yeah. So he says, it's all topsy-turvy over here, darling. But I gotta say, it's good to be seen. And then in case like we forgot who this is, which is fair, it's been a while since we've seen Cole. He says, don't tell me you don't remember me. Cole, original vampire, murdered pointlessly by Jeremy Gilbert. I wouldn't say pointlessly. I mean, I know you're you're mad that you got murdered. I know that hurt your feelings, but you do have to admit there was a point to it. Yeah, I can't blame you for being upset. <laughs> whether you agree with whether it was worth it or not, not the question. But there was a point. Yeah. <laughs> 
Matt says, yeah, I know who you are. I thought the whole point of this place was to live out your afterlife in solitude. Why can I see you? And Cole says, well, apparently there's trouble in paradise. Rumblings from the witches is that somebody tore his way out of here. Now this whole place is unraveling. Not that that matters to you, because he sees this ring and says, you're just on holiday, which means you're going back. So it's kind of fun that Cole's made some friends with the witches. He's hearing shit. He loves his gossip. He does. Matt says Vicky, and Cole says, I've never heard of her. Cole says, who is that? Cole says, we're just saying names now? I just gave you information. <laughs> Cole. My name is Cole. <laughs> Matt says, she's my sister. She's over here. If I can see you, then that means I can see her. We go over to the Salvador house. Caroline and Elena arrive. And Enzo says, I thought you said you were bringing a witch. And Caroline says, we said we'd call her. We didn't say we'd pick her up. And then she throws her coat on him like he's a coat rack. Like on his face. She's real. Elena says, so <laughs> where's Damon? <laughs> and Damon, because he's drama, walks out, backlit by the sun. And they look at each other and they say, hi. And it's like, okay, guys, can we just grow up and get through this? Enzo says, okay, uh, so who could use a drink from the library? And Caroline says, yes, please. And they leave. <laughs> Caroline says, absolutely. <laughs> Elena says, well, at least they're not being obvious. <laughs> you're the one being weird. <laughs> yeah, you're the one bringing the whole vibe down, girl. Elena says, you got a pool table. And Damon says, yeah, I figured pool's a good outlet for this pent-up energy I seem to now have. I don't think pool's a good outlet for pent-up energy. Get a boxing bag. Yeah, I do feel like a, a pool... Little low stakes for that, considering how much energy I'm sure you have. Yeah. Elena says, yeah, I went running today. 10 miles. Could have gone 20. In the library, Caroline is obviously eavesdropping. Because if she's going to do one thing, it's eavesdrop. And she says, this is so bad. They're fishing for small talk. We should do something. And Enzo says, or we could stay here and let them amuse us as they resist the desire to tear each other's clothes off. He holds a drink out to Caroline and she takes it. Because, again, if there's one thing she's going to do, it's eavesdrop. And Enzo likes eavesdropping, too. Yeah, she's like, you know, I don't really want to sit and try to fix this for them. So actually, this works out for me. Yeah. Damon says to Elena, drink. And Elena says, probably not a good idea. Inhibitions and all. Boo. Damon says, wouldn't want that. And Elena says, can we not do this? I don't know. Can you? Can you? <laughs> Damon says, we're not doing anything. I think that's part of the problem. We're just standing here, clothed, doing nothing. Can you two just date or not? I really don't give oh a fuck my God. which it is. Literally in my head, I all I heard was booing when they were doing this. I was like, I just need you guys to fucking suck it up because obviously you're going to date again. You guys are just being dramatic about it. This is a hard Delena era where they're just like, we're bad for each other. Who cares? I'll tell you what's bad for you guys, being vampires. <laughs> and if you're so bad for each other, so you're going to go find someone better than both of you and ruin them. Who exactly is Damon going to date? Be so fucking for real. Elena probably could find a better guy. Let's be honest. Yeah, if we're being serious. But probably not someone she loves as much. Yeah. Anyway, Elena says like, I mean, can we not do the whole strained, awkward, don't know how to act part? Can we just be friends and do friendly things? In the library, Enzo says, ouch. She used the F word. Poor bastard. And Caroline says, I <laughs> thought that's what this was. Yeah, because they both heard the sides of it. They know the general idea. Enzo says it is, but, you know, it was never explicitly stated until now. He's so real for being like, no, no, that's definitely what it is. But he never said it. And she never said it. So Again, that's why this is a big deal. He's catching up on his rom-coms. Yeah, he's enjoying it. Caroline says, and this matters because, and, and this is because until it's officially out there, there's still hope. And hope can trick you into all sorts of hilariously unrealistic scenarios. He just watched When Harry Met Sally. Yeah. <laughs> says it's already out there. <laughs> Caroline says, you mean Maggie. 
So what happened? And Enzo says, well, the travelers forgot to tell me where Maggie was before they lit themselves on fire. Talk about a lead going up in smoke. One thing about him, he's going to joke. And uh, again, I say, forgot. Yeah, literally. (laughs) Carolyn says, yeah, but, and no offense, even if she was still alive, wouldn't she be like really old? Asking the question everybody's asking. Yeah. Enzo says, 70 years of captivity, and she was the face I clung on to. The notion that one day I'd get out and see her again. I don't want to date her, Caroline. I want to thank her. He's so sweetie pie angel. Mm -hmm. He just has so much love in his heart to give. He really does. Then we go back to the living room with Damon and Elena. Back to this stinker of a conversation. Damon says, so, sex dreams about my brother. She's like, okay, I told you it was romance dreams. Yeah, she's like, clearly you weren't even listening when I said it. She says, wow, okay, (laughs) that's one way to change the subject. Damon says, I thought I'd skip the uncomfortable parts. I wish you did. Yeah. Elena says, look, I don't know what the visions mean, Damon. They're just random snippets of Stefan and me living in some alternate reality. Damon says, I'm going to regret this, but he drinks a big chunk of his drink and says, by any chance... Are fantasy Stefan and fantasy Elena like really, really happy? And he is like gagging on these words. Like he's like, so just out of pure curiosity, it's not a big deal at all what you say. Are you guys like really in love? And is that, do you want that? And it, you know, it just, if you want to say it, it's okay if you don't. But and, I'm just thinking. <laughs> and it's just funny because to this point in the vision that Elena's seen, they went on one date. Yeah. That's what I would say. I was like, well, we only went on one date so far. So yeah, the date and the vision was to the movies and I didn't like the movies. So it wasn't like, you know, we kissed one time. I wouldn't say we're really happy, but you know, like as happy as anyone who just went on like one first date that was good is and whose parents are alive. (laughs) Yeah. Like, let's not forget that that's a pretty main part of why that's a good vision for me. Yeah. She doesn't want to answer that question, though, because she's like, we did seem pretty happy. Um, so she says, um, and Damon says, okay, right. Well, as your friend, let me state the obvious that the prophecy says the two of you are fated to be together. You're supposed to be together. Again, if she's fated to be with anyone, it's Tom Avery. <laughs> yeah. There's a knock at the door. So Damon answers it and it's Luke. And Damon says, we are all good on Bibles. Thank you. And he goes to close the door. And Luke says, no, hi, I'm Luke Parker. I'm Liv's twin brother. Certainly you've heard of me. He's like, no, I'm like, I'm a really powerful witch. I know Liv. We're like kind of the big stars in your life right now. And they're like, (laughs) what? What? (laughs) Damon says, Liv has a twin. Is it possible for there to be just one of someone around here? There's just one of you, King. (laughs) The one and only. Uh, (laughs) Fair question. Why are there so many doubles? Ain't that fair. (laughs) Elena says, where's Liv? And Luke says, busy. Not a good answer. Yeah, not very specific. But no one asks. Um, We go into town. The sheriff, but not really the sheriff, but the sheriff's body is leaving her office with, you know, a couple bags of stuff. She's taking work home with her. So that's how you know it's not the real sheriff. She doesn't take her job this seriously. (laughs) Tyler approaches and he says, hey, sheriff. And she says, hey, Tyler, staying out of trouble. So he's like, "Okay, she knows my name. Maybe that is the sheriff. She's like, "Okay, she knows my name and that I may have potentially once been in trouble. So that's anybody. (laughs) (laughs) He says, yeah, you know me. (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's very much this back and forth of like yes tyler i know who you are and he's like yes you do know who i am because you're who i think you are it's like okay clearly we know what's happening here she says i certainly do and hybrids are not above the law so do me a favor 
keep the day drinking at the grill on the DL, please. It's bad for business. So this is so funny. <laughs> yes. Because the travelers have been in town long enough. They've got enough information to know that this guy's name is Tyler, mm-hmm. that he is a hybrid, and he day drinks at the grill. And what I love about this as like something the sheriff would say, quote unquote, one, she's not giving out any tickets for drinking underage. She's got bigger fish to fry. That's not her job. And second, she didn't say no drinking at the grill. She said no day drinking. So the actual drinking is fine. And she didn't really say no day drinking. She just said keep it on the DL. <laughs> and she said it's bad for business, which it literally isn't. Yeah, this this grill has no issue getting business. That's clear. It's the one restaurant. <laughs> but Tyler says, right, will do. And he's still not sure if this is the sheriff or not. And she says, okay, anyway, I'm running late. And so Tyler brings out the big guns to figure out this is the real sheriff or a passenger. He says, my mom says hi. Which is, again, hysterical because the travelers went through all this trouble to find out all this information about Tyler. They can't read one obituary for the mayor. Well, that you know, you have to imagine they did some research on which town they wanted to settle in. In none of your time did you find that two mayors in a row have died. And they were both the same family. I mean, that's just something interesting. Three mayors in a row died, actually. Oh, yeah. Because Rudy, Rudy, as I often do. (laughs) Yeah, the first two, though, were two Lockwoods. And you know, this is Tyler. Lockwood. It's just something. Just kind of lazy on the traveler's part. (laughs) Yeah. The sheriff says, okay, I'll send her my vest. So Tyler stabs her with the traveler knife and says, you're okay. You're safe now. But then we see someone come up behind him, but we don't see who. We don't check in with Tyler until later. Mm -hmm. Then we go over to the Salvador house. Damon says to Luke, what do you mean you can't stop their visions? Luke says, that's not how magic works. We're not bigger than the universe. So he doesn't have any clue what's going on either. Yeah. And then Damon (laughs) says, then why are you in my house? Damon's like, what is the point of having a witch if you can't do anything I ask, no matter how realistic it is? Yeah. (laughs) Luke says, because we actually need your help. We think the travelers are about to make their move. Their leader, Marcos, is here. And Damon says, from where? Chant camp? He got him there. He got him there. (laughs) Luke says, no, from the other side. He's been dead for centuries, and we think the fire sacrifice allowed him to escape. And Elena says, perfect. (laughs) (laughs) Elena's like, awesome. This again. (laughs) She says, a dead old guy with a mysterious evil plan. I'll take that drink now. Yeah, she said, okay, I need a break from this. This is stupid even for me. (laughs) (laughs) Caroline returns and says, okay, Stefan just called. He said the scrap here has been completely cleared out. Damon says, let me guess. The witches don't know where Marcos is. And Luke says, okay, I'm going to state the obvious here. You said the visions are trying to draw Elena and Stefan together for something. And Elena has even made the connection that it's for the doppelganger blood. She says the travelers need it for some prophecy. And Luke says, right. If the travelers are the ones that need your blood, does it make sense that you're not only being drawn together, but also, and Elena's is being drawn to them. Luke's like, I know I just got here, but this seems like something obvious. I hesitate to say it because there's no way you guys haven't thought of this already yourselves, right? He says, did you guys just get here and not discuss anything about what we're talking about? And yeah, they did exactly that. That's exactly what happened. Damon and Elena had their weird little conversation. Caroline and Enzo eavesdropped, and then you showed up. And that brings That's us the up whole to day. now. <laughs> Damon says, well, this just keeps getting better and better. And Caroline says, I don't get it. (laughs) Neither do (laughs) I, girl. (laughs) Enzo says, if the visions are a roadmap, we need more clues. Break out the popcorn, Blondie. Elena's little sex romp isn't over just yet. She rolls her eyes. 
Later, Damon is sitting on the porch of the Salvatore house, drinking. Elena joins him, and she says, what are you doing out here? And he says, you know, looking at the stars, listening to the universe laugh at me. Okay, suck it up. I mean, you don't have to keep giving them so much material. Yeah. Damon, she literally already picked you. Like, what are you, what is this for? Yeah. Like, you won. He is fishing. Mm -hmm. Talk about someone who's insecure. Yeah. Elena says, Damon. And he says, we were doomed from the beginning, Elena. We were always going to end up here. And Elena says, they're visions. They're just visions. As soon as we find Mercos, they'll stop. She's like, do you know how many times people have given me a dream to make me believe something? I literally have lost count. And I'm sure the same has happened to you. It's the oldest trick in the book. I'm sure these are fake. Yeah. Damon says, then what? We're friends? Can't wait. Elena takes a drink from his glass and says, look, I know we're in a weird place right now. And she touches Vane and says, look at me. She says, the universe doesn't control anything. It's not real. And then she, her eyes start to glaze over yeah. and she starts to have a vision. Yeah, Marcos was watching that conversation. He said, oh, I got some funny timing here. He said, I'm going to kick Damon while he's down, I think. <laughs> he said, I think I can really ruin that guy's day. Yeah. Then we go over to a kitchen in Stefan and Elena's fantasy house. Stefan is cooking and he's struggling with it. And Elena comes in and you know she's an adult because she's got a blazer on. Even though it is the most like business casual at the club blazer ever. It is so fitted. It is so little. Yeah, it is so (laughs) unclear what her job is. And it's not really any of her business. (laughs) It's not part of it. Yeah. He says, hey. And she says, you're really trying to pull off this chef thing. And he says, yeah, well, it's our anniversary. So no holding back. And she says, well, if it turns out anything like your last 22 attempts, wine and he says perfect it is so unclear what he's cooking and what is so hard about it because it appears to be pasta it looks like pasta but he has like three different pans like boiling all at the same time and it's like well buddy let's let's slow it down let's take it step by step here if you're not very good at this and also 22 attempts i i know that's meant to be like to show like oh look how much they're hanging out and cooking for each other whatever but it's like it's a weird number to go with. And after 22 attempts, you can't make pasta. It also briefly makes it seem like they're celebrating their 22nd anniversary. Yeah. And it's like, wait, they're not that old. <laughs> so it's just a weird number. And so Elena wants to open the wine. So she says, I always forget. Where do we put the wine opener? Girl, how'd you forget where that is? Don't you use it? It's just to prove like, no, look, they both live here because they put the wine opener somewhere. Yeah. Get it? And it's like, no, I... I, I saw it. Thank you for the, the extra I, clue, though. Yeah. Again, Marcos is not the most gifted writer. Yeah. He's like, I just got to get her to a drawer, even though it would make so much more sense for this box to be in a pocket. Yeah. Even though it makes sense for him to have it in his pocket, since he's presumably going to propose tonight on their anniversary. And he's wearing pants with pockets. Why would he put it in a drawer she can reach in? If anything, give him an apron to put a pocket whatever why even put it in a drawer in the kitchen if we're going there put it in your dresser in a sock there are literally it's a house there are literally a million (laughs) other places better than the place he put it yeah but you know that's me put it in the fucking soap dish like damon did with the moonstone it's just (laughs) like what are we doing here he says no not that drawer she opens it she finds a ring box she doesn't even open the ring box she says yes me too girl (laughs) I, I love it, too, because they said, we're not going to buy a prop ring for this. They said, it's not worth our time. <laughs> they said, the box will do it. Marcos, while he's creating this vision, he's like, oh, I don't know what kind of ring she likes. I better just keep that to the imagination. Better keep that vague, yeah. That might take her out of Let it. Let her self-insert it. Yeah. Because <laughs> can you imagine if you're having this dream where you're like, 
so happy you're getting engaged and then you're like pear shaped i'd wake up right away like this can't be real uh, <laughs> oh no this is a vision i would not want a pear shaped <laughs> ring Stefan knows that Stefan would know this he says you didn't even open it and she says i don't have to well i have to yeah girl, i want to see it let me let me see it and it would be <laughs> iconic if she opened it and it was like earrings or like a pair of cufflinks for him he's like those are, <laughs> those are actually a gift for me from my mistress <laughs> they kiss he says i love you she says i love you too Uh, there's more kissing now it actually is becoming a sex stream yeah because they're about to have sex so see damon should have stopped mentioning it but marcos decides you know these people are not getting what i want them to get so he physically like drops a piece of mail on the ground and zooms in on it yeah he says okay now that i know you're paying attention with the sex part he says sex sells let's get the big information out he said, this is the exact address. I thought seeing the house would be enough. I put the number pretty big on the house, but no, here you are. <laughs> we go back to the Salvatore porch. Elena like comes to and Damon says, Elena. And she realizes she broke the glass. They are going through the crystal in this house. Good thing they have a fortune. Yeah. Elena says, did I just? And Damon says, yep. And Enzo appears and says, that good, eh? He's leaning against the doorway. <laughs> yeah, I, he's been eavesdropping the whole time. But he's like, no, I got a line for this part. Yeah. I'll come out. Elena says, he's here. I know where Marcos is. 3620 Walnut Drive. She leaves. Maybe it's 4620. I think it is 4620. I think it is. I was going to say that, but I was like, well, she wrote it down. I'm pretty sure it's 4620. I think it is 4620 because I remember seeing that on the board. Not like it matters. I'm not navigating to it. Yeah. I mean, it does matter if you care about details, but it's okay. Which I think that's what our listeners admire about us is that we care about the details. (laughs) Like, remember when when Vicky got kicked? (laughs) I thought Vicky got kicked, but he just moved his foot near Vicky. We got in a fight about that. Yeah, that was one of our our bigger fights on the mic. That was an early discussion. It's not the biggest. No, the biggest one was Lon Chaney. I cut all that, though, because it made me cry. (laughs) I know. Anyway, we can giggle about it now. Who's we? <laughs> Just kidding. We go to the other side. Matt is calling for Vicky. It's really windy, though, so he's having trouble. And then he realizes he's back in the cemetery where he started. And he says, how am I back here? Vicky appears. And she says, Matt. He sees her. He says, Vic. And she says, Maddie, I'm here. They hug. Very sweet. He says, I'm here now. It's okay. And she says, no, it's absolutely not okay, Matt. Okay, something is wrong. She says, no, this is super bad that you're here right now. It's super bad that you're here and that I can see you. Too bad. Yeah. She says, look at this place. You need to get to your body and go back. And there's more rumbling like before. And Matt says, I'm not leaving. Okay, we're getting out of here. Take my hand. She says, let's go. Because Vicky says, you know, as long as we get to your body, I don't care. She's like, I know I'm not leaving. Yeah, she knows she can't get out the way that Matt can. But she's like, she wants him out of here because she's likely seen other people experience the fate she's about to experience. Yeah, they run. They trip. And he tries to grab her, but the wind is pulling her away. And he says, Vicky, I'm not going to let you go. And she says, Matt, I love you, but I'm already dead. And she blows away into the sky, just like Catherine did. Mm -hmm. And then the wind dies down. So do you think Vicky went the same place as Catherine? I mean, I think it's a potential for peace. Again, this doesn't look peaceful, but she went up. And (laughs) she got to say goodbye to her brother. She got to say, I love you to her brother who she didn't get to say goodbye to. She finally got to, like, make him let her go. That seems peaceful to me. Sure. Do you think there's an argument for Vicky going to the Vampire Diaries equivalent of hell? I don't think a good one. I mean, unless drugs are that bad in this universe. Well, she also did try to kill Elena. Remember that? 
Okay, but she didn't. Yeah. Oh, so the only two people who get to go to hell are ones who have tried to kill Elena. Who who wrote this, Elena? Yeah, literally. <laughs> Just, I mean, I see where you're getting evidence for peace. I do get that thought process. I mean, I took this very much as confirmation that Catherine did not necessarily go to hell because the only reason I could think of her being in this place of hell was that she, you know, was such a major villain, major adversary to so many people. Whereas Vicky, like, was not a perfect person, but was by no means a villain. Yeah. Like, she didn't like Elena, but she had her reasons. But is it a sin to not like Elena? No. If it is, lock me up. (laughs) If it is, send me to hell. I like Elena. (laughs) I know. I'm an Elena apologist, but I do think that she has her, she has her many issues. Yeah. But just my thought with Vicky is... This is another likely candidate for peace. Yes. We'll see if anyone else goes and what that tells us. We go over to the house on Walnut Drive. Enzo and Damon walk up and the threshold is clear so they can go straight in. So in they go. Enzo says, you know, I wonder if this is where Stefan and Elena had crazy vision sex. Probably the bedroom. Stefan's pretty vanilla. But apparently that's Elena's favorite flavor. And Damon's like, can you shut up? Damon says, (laughs) I'm going to staple your tongue to your chin. (laughs) He says, I can't do this. And so I was like, aren't we having so much fun, me and my good friend? And so says, isn't it so good we get to hang out again? And <laughs> so just so happy to be part of it. Marco says, not in my house, please. He's sitting in a chair in the corner of the room. It's like the only furniture piece in the house, but he has started a fire. Damon says, Marcos, I take it. Okay, well, I'm not Stefan and this is not Elena. So now we see Marcos's face. So let's talk. Let's look at his IMDb. Number one, I will say you said... You kind of predicted what Marcos would look like, and you were pretty spot on because mm-hmm. you did guess he looks like historically correct Jesus, and he kind of does. Yeah, I really ate this one up. The actor's name is Rafi Bersumian. Let's see what he's been up to. Not much. He's got two <laughs> upcoming projects, so good for him. Oh, good. He is on a CBS show called Seal Team. Never heard of it, but he's been on seven episodes. He was also on DC's Legends of Tomorrow. And he plays a character named Bishop, which might be a hero. I mean, he's definitely a handsome fella. He was also on a show called The Code. It seems to be a regular there. He was on a couple episodes of Shameless. Nice. And that is pretty much the highlights. He was also on like one episode of NCIS. But The Vampire Diaries was kind of his first major role. Oh, good for him. I don't want to be a hater. And yet here she comes. And I'm not saying this about the actor Rafi. Yeah. The character Marcos has a distinct lack of charisma. Yeah. He's just not really giving much. And I don't think it's entirely his fault because I think I'm primed to think Marcos is stupid anyway. Well, I think also the problem is if we think about the introduction of Klaus, he is such a thing that people talked about the whole season. So by the time we met him, like he's built up to be this kind of grander villain. We brought up Marcos's name like two episodes ago. We know yeah. almost nothing about him. And so now it's like we're kind of rushing to the finish line with this guy. And yeah. again, the travelers don't seem to be that threatening. We know he's their leader, but he doesn't seem to be like any more powerful than any of them. Yeah, it was one thing to like bring Silas back from the dead because it was like this all-powerful person, mind control, whatever. And we're bringing Marcos back from the dead like, immediately after all the travelers died supposedly to bring him back i suppose well and also this is the other thing all the travelers killed themselves and then immediately there's another group of travelers who just shows up i don't know if we're meant to believe that the other group of travelers is like 
they somehow got their souls into their body after they died, but that doesn't seem possible. I think this is a whole new group of travelers because we don't see Miss Sloan. Oh, that's true. She's dead. And that's the only traveler we know. So it's like they all committed mass suicide. So now there's a whole other group of travelers who are just waiting for group A to commit mass suicide. And how did we decide who's in what group? Because if I'm a traveler, I don't want to be in the mass suicide group. (laughs) I want to be in the group that gets to move to town. Yeah. You don't understand it. Especially after you did all the work to like- Bring Marcos Get the doppelganger blood and bring Marcos back. Yeah. You- assumed most of the risk including the not even risk like the assurity assurity that's not a word the the certainty that you would then be dead also you could make the argument that that first step required the more powerful people yeah so then you kill off all the powerful people and then you're left with Marcos and the stinkers yeah i just don't really understand again the goal doesn't make a ton of sense it doesn't seem like Marcos even wants to be in charge of these people, just like he wanted to come back to life. It seems like he wanted to come back to life, but why? If, and if he was on the other side, he could have settled in Mystic Falls. Yeah. Now he's coming back where he can't settle. It just doesn't make sense. None of it makes sense. So anyway. But he's he's doing his darndest and he is handsome. Yes, he's very handsome. It's just not really an ounce of charisma coming from him. I think the actor is doing everything he can with the character and with the lines. But he can't create something out of nothing. Yeah, there's no like shock value with the prophecy being fake, like when the curse was fake. There's like, we haven't really been attached to this prophecy. I've always, I've never felt like this prophecy was like a set in stone thing. Yes, it always felt like a lie. So to it be like, it's fake. It's like, okay, that seems fair. I kind of thought it might be. Yeah, it kind of sounded like somebody made it up. And I know maybe, you know, a lot of our previous villains have been kind of like little jokey, jokey kings. Yeah. So I wonder if maybe they're like, we need to make this villain different. But because of that, he has no real discernible character trait. He's just very to the point. Yeah, it's not even like, oh, the power of true love, whatever. Like making people believe in true love because I am, I have some connection to love in some interesting way. He's just like, it seemed like a good lie. He doesn't seem particularly passionate about anything. He's just yeah. like, well, the witches did this. It is what it is. He's not even like well, that he, outwardly mad at the witches. And he's not like, I love this town. He's like, this is a good town. Like, he seems very relaxed. He's like not even that excited to settle because again, he picked this random house and has like one chair. Like you didn't like even buy a couch. Like you weren't like, finally, I have a house that the plan is on. It's is on the move. The plan has legs apparently and so i'm gonna hopefully get to stay here let me buy a bed or like take a bed like use a spell to get a bed i don't care why is he sitting on one tiny little stool it just doesn't make sense damon says murkos i take it okay well i'm not stefan and this is not elena and murkos says why are you here bro you were calling out to people who have friends they're not gonna send their fucking friends yeah you were calling out to the doppelgangers They know other people and they know you want the doppelgangers. So why would they have come? The thing is, again, this is so short-sighted of the travelers. And I understand they were like working with our team. But if Mm -hmm. I were the travelers, if I'm going to kill one of the Stefan doppelgangers, I'm killing Stefan. Tom's going to be easier to kidnap. He has less connections. I don't understand why they're like, okay, well, I guess we'll kill Tom. Also because they had to go hunt down Tom. Like they had Stefan right there. And then use your little spell to bring him back. So Damon says, I was about to ask you the same question. Plus, also, what do you want 
and why are the doppelgangers having visions of each other? And Mirko says the first two are complicated. I doubt that very much. Yeah. And then he says the last one's easy. I'm the reason Stefan and Elena are having visions of each other. And again, this is like said like a reveal, but it's like, yeah, I kind of figured. It's like, yeah, you were drawing them somewhere. You gave them the visions. I assume you picked what was in them. Damon says, you? It's like, didn't Luke tell you that 10 minutes ago? <laughs> Enzo says, well, would you look at that? I think we just met the universe. And he's he's joking. Damon says, do you mind telling me what the hell is going on? Me too. Great question. He said, I'll tell you something. <laughs> I'll definitely give you some information. I'll definitely talk. Marco says, I'm afraid the doppelganger lore has been misinterpreted over the ages. And Damon says, as in there is no prophecy. It's so funny. You know, again, I get that they had to kind of write this in a new way. But it's so funny, like, oh, the doppelganger lore was misinterpreted. Misinterpreted by the woman who, like, created doppelgangers? Yeah. <laughs> like, yes, she did misinterpret it, supposedly. But, like, it's not crazy that anyone believed her. Well, that's the thing. She basically saw these people finding each other. And so apparently it was Murakos' spell that was doing that. I find that hard to believe again. And she's like, oh, they keep finding each other. It must be that there's, like, a prophecy. That was more her guess than you telling people it, Murkos. Whatever. Murkos says the prophecy is that the doppelganger blood can help the travelers. It's not a prophecy. That's not a prophecy. Just a fact. And doppelganger blood helps everyone because it's a powerful source. I just don't really, I need more specifics from him. Yeah. Murkos says, but they're being drawn together because of a spell I cast 1500 years ago. I had no idea where they were. And it turns out the best way to get people searching for each other is the promise of true love. Here's a couple things. First of all, so they've successfully been drawn together every time that you're saying this with your spell. Why have there still been so fucking many of them? Why are you just now getting down to the final two? Yeah, if your spell is working so good, how have you not found them before? And also, of course, the, the classic thing I already said, the telling people about true love, they'll find each other. No one told them about the true love or doppelgangers in general. Who gave them that information? All he did essentially was like make it so that like when Catherine saw Stefan, she was like, oh, love at first sight. Yeah. I have that every time I go to the grocery store. Yeah. Which one's my doppelganger? Yeah. Tell the me. The guy I was in the elevator with today? <laughs> Marco says, is it stuffy in here? Why don't we take a walk? And then he turns to Enzo and says, you stay here. And Enzo says, not bloody likely. <laughs> but Marco says, you want to find Maggie? You stay here. And Enzo says, okay. And Enzo says, fine, I'll sit down. Can I use this one chair? <laughs> Do you mind if I sit in your one chair? And is this the only chair? Because it's got bugs all over it. It's not a good one. Marcos says, shall we? And Damon says, I guess. <laughs> we go out to the town square. Marcos and Damon are going on a walk. And Marcos says, Mystic Falls is a beautiful town. And Damon says, oh yeah, picket fences, block birdies, uncannily high death rate. And Marcos says, you take your homes for granted. Okay. Home is where you make it, Marcos. Yeah. Damon says, I'm sorry, are we walking so that I don't fall asleep? Marcos says, 2,000 years ago, Silas and Katsia cast a spell for immortality, which created a schism in the traveler community, giving rise to witches. They tried to keep us scattered, make us forget how powerful we can be. Couple things here. They didn't try to keep you scattered. They did keep you scattered. Second of all, how powerful can you be? Because we've only ever seen you do things in a group of like 50. That's what I was going to say. If them scattering you makes you not powerful, then I think you're not powerful because guess what? They can do spells alone. Yeah. And they do often. 
and you all have to be like chanting the whole time like bonnie can has not currently but can like just light a bunch of candles with the flick of a wrist how many people would it take to do that seven yeah bonnie did a lot trickier spells by herself than these travelers have done in groups of 50 it sounds like some law has been misinterpreted over the ages and it ain't the doppelganger law it just sounds like witches just are more powerful than travelers yeah. i can see how that might be hard to swallow if you're marcos but i kind of think you can't blame the witches for it anymore yeah at this point it seems like the witches figured out how to you know channel nature and do better spells and you guys have just been traveling and trying to hang out with each other and again, it's unclear like what the schism created and how in the schism witches basically got all the power and travelers got nothing and they got the other side. Like well, you can you can see this does generally follow my logic that I have been saying about travelers that they got somehow exiled from the witch community in some yeah. way. Now this makes less sense than what I pitched. Yeah. Damon says, and thus began the war between the travelers and the witches, and it still rages on and on. And then he yawns. And he says, sorry, I just nodded off. Me too, Damon. Me too. That's how I feel listening to this. Marco says, the witches put a curse on us that kept us from settling down as a tribe. Whenever we tried to gather, disaster struck. Plagues, earthquake, fire, something inevitably wiped us out. And Damon says, let me guess. Doppelgangers can fix this. That's all the information we get is that doppelgangers can somehow fix this. So I have to ask, what are they going to do to fix this? Is it just a spell that makes them settle or is it something else? I was going to say a spell to maybe like create a force field to stop plagues and stuff. But also at the same time, like you guys are at the end of the day mortal. So maybe you are just picking the wrong places to settle. Yeah. like Maybe move when a plague starts hitting. Damon says, so you found the doppelgangers. Now what? And Marco says, we simply need their blood. Well, how much fucking blood do you need? Because where'd the buckets go? They already had buckets. And I mean, it. <laughs> maybe they have to drain them of their blood, but they're vampires, so that wouldn't even kill them. It's very yeah. like low stakes, it seems, yeah. from what we see right now. Well, it seems like if you guys like have vampire blood, even if it is doppelganger blood, wouldn't it also turn you to vampires if you then were to die? Like, isn't this, doesn't this get a little complicated for you? Yeah, and it just feels like if the goal is to get their blood, make a spell, and settle in Mystic Falls, what is the point of all the passengers? So I guess so they can get the blood before they get caught by the witches, but one, you've already been caught by the witches, and two, it's not that hard to get blood. You know where the two doppelgangers are. Like, why did you waste your time putting passengers in when you could have just gone straight to the doppelgangers to get blood? And again, I say... Why are you like, oh, let me talk to this group to try to get Stephanie and Elaine to come, put a bag over their head and put them in a van and take their blood. Like, why are we having conversation? You know where they are. They're in a small town even. Like, wait at the grill. Literally. Come to the front door with a fucking pizza. It's not going to take that Yeah, do exactly what that one guy did in season one. Literally, I mean, at a certain point, you're overcomplicating it. It seems overcomplicated. I think I could kidnap Stefan or Elena in 20 minutes if I had to. Even you guys know they're vampires. Am I supposed to believe you guys cannot find Vervain anywhere? This is so easy. Yes, Vervain. I don't understand that. Honestly, what I would do, if you must do a passenger, take over the sheriff's body, call Elena, say, Jeremy's in prison. You need to come bail him out. Somehow have her bring Stefan. I don't care how. Or, again, take over the sheriff's body. Go have lunch with Caroline. Lock Caroline somewhere. 
say, hey, someone's kidnapped Caroline. Come here and meet me. Then they'll kidnap too. That's the thing. Actually, the sheriff was already going to have lunch with Caroline and Elena. Take over the sheriff's body. Kidnap Caroline and Elena. Call Stefan. Let Caroline go. Who do you think Caroline's going to go call? Stefan. Since apparently you people studied these people so much. If you know Tyler is a hybrid, you have to know at least about Stefan and Elena and Caroline knowing each other. Like, you have to know they're close friends. You don't have to know the inner workings of that relationship. But also, Sloane has been working with this. So Sloane Sloan has been talking to Stefan and Caroline, and they've been flirting in front of Sloane. So Sloane says, hey, look, I'm going to kill myself tonight. But here's some useful information. Stefan and Caroline have something going on. I'm honestly shipping. Caroline wants to protect Stefan very strongly. So, you know, use her if you need it. And Stefan said he'd do the same for her. So use that. Anyway, going to go light myself on fire now. Marco says, look, I'm, but I am not your enemy, Damon. And to prove that to you, I'm going to stop their visions. Of course you are. You don't need them to have the visions anymore. You talk to them. Yeah, you, you got them there, so you don't need the visions. And you're going to stop the thing that only you're doing? Like, that doesn't oh. prove shit to me. Yeah. Marcos nods to a guy who is sweeping the outside of around a trash can. So obviously that's a passenger who's never had to sweep anything in his life. And there's a police officer. They start to chant. And Marcos says, the curse might prevent us from gathering in our own bodies, but we've found ways around that. Damon says, passengers. Damon says, how many of you are there? And there's at least, you know, everyone in the town square. And Marcos says, a few here and there. I've said it many times in many cases. Damon, vampire, run away. Not that Just hard. in case. They're chanting. So Marcos joins the chant. So again, even though Marcos is the only one creating the visions, he needs all their help to stop them. Some witch. We go back over to the Stelena vision house, you know, inside Walnut Drive in the vision world. Elena is looking out the window. She's got her hair up. So we know she's a mother. And she has this flowy shirt on. And I was like, we are panning down to a bump. We are going to see a pregnant Elena. I ended up being wrong, but I wasn't that far off. Yeah. She's listening to some forecast on the radio. She turns it off. Stefan approaches and says, hey, so I got your Aunt Jenna a wine of the month thing. Think she'll like that? And Elena says the only thing I think she would have liked more would have been a wine of the day thing. Rest in peace, Jenna. Queen. Jenna Summers, the realest bitch out there. We miss you, girl. Miss her every day. They're drinking coffee and Elena says, oh, I talked to Jeremy. He's bringing a girl home this year. And Stefan says, ooh, so is Damon. And Elena says, I'm sure they'll both be lovely. And Stefan says, liar. Then some kids come out of nowhere and they're playing with each other. It's their kids, obviously. So, <laughs> some kids come out of nowhere. <laughs> it's obviously their kids who live here. Stefan says, hey guys, share, please. Because, you know, he's a parent. <laughs> he's a father. <laughs> Elena says, do you know she bit him this morning? And Stefan says, really nice. And she says, don't encourage that. It's like, okay, we get it. A little vampire clue. But then they really stretch this out. Marcos keeps going with this. Mind you, he's ending this vision, but he's like, I'm going to do a couple things about biting. It's like, Again. okay. The worst fanfic writer I've heard. It's like, you know, when you watch a rom-com or something and it's like, mm, this guy has a foot fetish. Like, you can see it in the writing. It's like, yeah. this. it's like, okay, Marcos, you're a little too into biting in a way that makes me think you should just be a vampire. Yeah, just turn into a vampire. You have access to vampire blood. Stefan says, everybody loves a biter. And Elena says, I'll bite you. And he says, yeah, I'll bite you. It's like, Jesus, what it's are like, you doing God. this for? Oh my God, your kids are there. <laughs> your kids are in the room so the chanting continues in the vision stefan and elena kiss but then elena like kind of comes to within the vision she's still got her hair up her flowy shirt but it's the empty house decorated the way murkos had and then in the town the chanting stops and murkos says it's done 
and the passengers all go on their merry way. We go over to the Salvador house. Elena, like, comes to. And Stefan also comes to, and he says, Elena. And they're both, like, crying. She says, did you feel that, too? Does that mean it's over? And Stefan says, yeah, it's over. Elena says, they weren't real. And Stefan says, it was a spell showing us what we wanted to see. And Elena says, we weren't vampires. My parents were still alive. It was a fantasy. It was like a movie. It was the life we never could have had. And Stefan says, it still felt, and she says, amazing. And he says, yeah. Of course, you had no stresses. And you only saw like three things. Yeah, you guys didn't stress about the stuff that you always worry about. And one thing about you two, you love to dream about a boring little life with kids as though either of you would enjoy that. Yeah, you don't really want that. Because you don't get to be heroic in a life like that, not in the big epic way you want to be. But anyway, let's That see. life was devoid of hero hair, Stefan. Yeah. You just have hair. <laughs> you know, Stefan starts to spin it. He says, you know, the life we had was amazing too. It wasn't a spell or a prophecy. It was real. We fell in love on our own. We had ups and downs. We fought. I almost killed you that one time. That was so fun. You forced me to let you die that other time. Uh, you slept with my brother immediately after breaking up with me. We had so many good memories. <laughs> <laughs> she says, I died. <laughs> and he says, you know, we changed, both of us. We grew. We grew apart. But that's real. I mean, that's life. Okay, nice spin. She says, you couldn't cook. And he says, yeah, and you could. Again, a fantasy. <laughs> they laugh. They giggle, giggle. And Stefan says, I'll always love you, Elena. And she says, I will always love you too. And she puts her head on his shoulder. There seems to be a little bit more closure than we've ever had before. Although the Selena chapter seemed pretty close before this anyway. So whatever, close it again. I don't care. Yeah, keep closing it. <laughs> Just let's kick those poor, poor Selena stands further into the trench. I'm the Claroline stand, just pushing the Selena stands even further so I can stay a little higher. The Selena stands are down and we're kicking them. I'm up on my rapidly disintegrating Claroline ledge, spitting on them. But you're still up on your Delena high horse. <laughs> and I am on my Steroline high horse. You're on the Steroline cloud up in the sky. <laughs> <laughs> she says, do you think Damon and I will ever be able to talk like this? Like friends? Well, no, because you're never going to be friends. So let's get past this real quick. Stefan says, I think you can either be friends with someone or in love with them. I don't think you can be both. Call me when you date Caroline King. Yeah, call me when you realize you're in a friends to lovers story right this moment. Yeah, I know <laughs> that you're trying to compartmentalize because that's what you do, King. But you're not doing it here. It's not going to work. You're going to fall in love with Caroline. So help me God. <laughs> we go over to the other side. Matt's still over there. Yeah, he's taking his sweet time. He's sad. He's kind of mourning his sister again. And Cole comes up and he says, all right, morning time over. Okay, chip chop. Not to be insensitive, but she was already dead. It's a little bit of grief overkill over here. I mean, he has a point. When he's right, he's right. Matt says, where did she go? Did she move on, find peace? It certainly didn't look like that. And, you know, fair enough read, Matt, but... But you still have your Sometimes suspicions. you got to get more creative. Cole says, I don't know where she went. And honestly, I would love to never find out, which is why I need you back in your body, shouting from the rooftops about what happened here. And this is why Cole will never find peace because he doesn't want to. Yeah. Matt says, it doesn't matter. When I go back, I'm not going to remember any of this. And Cole says, well, you better find a way to remember it. You might not like me, but I'm not the only one over here. And if this place goes down, then what happened to your sister is going to happen to us all. Please, mate, you have to go back. You have to find a way to stop this. 
it does feel like we could cut out the middleman here a little bit and Cole could go talk to Bonnie. Yeah, or Jeremy. And like communicate the severity of the issue here. We go over to the sheriff's office where Bonnie and Jeremy are waiting with Matt's dead body for him to wake up. Jeremy says, I just realized you're the only person in this office the sheriff hasn't killed. And she says, oh, you're making jokes. Jeremy's like, yeah, I mean, it is objectively funny that she shot me point blank. Jeremy says, Bonnie, look, I'm sorry for everything, okay? This whole thing with Liv had nothing to do with her. I was just trying to protect you. And she says, okay, guess what's not okay? Do what you want to protect me, but don't fall off the face of the earth, especially with someone who was caught lying to me and who tried to kill Elena. Yeah, like two days ago. She's like, I don't (laughs) care if you protect me. Just text me back and don't run off with someone who tried to kill Elena. Not asking a lot. Well, and also, like, think really critically about what is protection. I know in many cases, keeping secrets is the right call. But when you're dating someone, you do have to reevaluate what a secret is. Bonnie says, don't put me in a position where I have to question you because, and he says, I know, because of Anna. I know I messed up. And she says, I wasn't going to say Anna, but now I'm pissed off about that all over again. But now I'm concerned that you bringing up Anna does confirm some suspicions about Liv. (laughs) She says, look, I was going to say because I choose to trust you and I want to be right. Jeremy has nothing to say to that, but luckily for him, he doesn't have to say anything because Matt gasps awake. And Bonnie says, hey, are you okay? And Jeremy says, you died and came back from the other side. And Matt says, I know, I remember. I remember it this time. (laughs) It's unclear how he's able to remember. I think our best suspicion is just that because the integrity of the other side is crumbling, I think that's our best answer because I don't think he can outthink it. Bonnie says, you remember? That doesn't happen. And then Matt goes on to say like kind of the useless parts of his information. He says, one second I was holding Vic. And Jeremy says, wait, you saw Vicky? Real information is that you can see people over there. Start with that. Yeah. Well, the big information, one, you can see people, which you did get across by saying you saw Vicky. And two, that she got sucked up into the air would be useful information to give to Bonnie, who's the only other person who has seen that. Yeah. Matt says she pushed me away and then she just disappeared. That's not what happened. Yeah. (laughs) He says, what's going on over there, Bonnie? And Bonnie says, I don't know. Bonnie's like, I'm just the anchor. Like, they don't tell me shit. Then we go over to the Salvador house, specifically Damon's room. Elena is waiting in there. And Damon says, I think we need some rules because if I'm not allowed to drive you home, then you're definitely not allowed to ambush me in my bedroom. She says, I just wanted to say thank you. Whatever you did, it worked. And But he still wants to whine a little bit. He says, sorry to drag you away from paradise. And she says, you know what? Actually, it was paradise. And he says, I told you I don't want to know that. He says, you're so mean to me. <laughs> she says, but you need to know. Okay, I saw... A perfect life. Stefan and I were married and had kids. It was everything we wanted. And Damon says, well, I can go ask Marcos to put it back. And she says, but it's not real. She takes this spin that Stefan gave, but she does not pull it off nearly as gracefully as Stefan did. Yeah. He says, you and I are messy and complicated, but we're real. And Damon says, I don't know if I like that. Yeah. He (laughs) says, and really bad for each other. Did you forget that part? I wish we could. I, you say it every week. You say it like three times every episode. And it's never once been true. So can we move on? Can we stop saying that? <laughs> Elena says, yeah, but I still need you in my life. And he says, as friends, right? Elena, I can't be your friend. It's too damn hard. 
I'm serious. I can't see you anymore. I don't want to hear your voice. I don't want to talk to you. I don't even want to look at you. And I sure as hell don't want to be your friend. And I get what he's saying here, but you're not going to be able to not hang out with each other. You all hang out all the time, especially when there's a villain you have to fight. Like, you're not going to be able to not see her for weeks on end. I know that you're trying to be like, no, if I see you, it's just too hard to be friends. You guys are not going to just be friends. Yeah. That's not lasting. It's not. So why waste your time doing this? You're not going to not see each other. And you're not going to just be friends if you do. So you might as well just date and and end this little. Yeah, let's just let's skip the next two episodes of this drama and just get back together. Let's just stop the will they won't they. They will. We've gone through, the, we went through the good will they won't they. And this, uh, they have to do this on every couple of ACV show. So the good will they won't they. And then the annoying will they won't they. Cause you're like, no, they will. It's just, you're going to make me wait for it again. Yeah. New girl. Exactly. Great example. Elena says, okay, if that's what you want. And he says, that's what I want. She says, okay. She nods and she goes. She says, so we're just not going to have sex tonight. This is just like the most insufferable Delena era. It's like, you guys have much bigger fish to fry. Just date each other. Not dating is not going to bring Aaron Whitmore back to life, okay? Yeah. And again, all this for Aaron Whitmore? Come on. Be serious. Then we go over to the Forbes house. Caroline is laying with her mom and is on the phone with Tyler. And she says, okay, like, I gave her my blood, so now what do I do? She's still unconscious. And Tyler says, for starters, relax, okay? Matt says he was out for a while when this happened to him. And Caroline says, what are they doing here? This is our home. We can't let them take over. And Tyler says, they won't. I got it handled. I promise. Liv, why'd you let all these people go by themselves and not check up with them throughout the day? Well, and also, red flag, in what world does Tyler have anything handled? Yeah. Caroline says, thanks, Tyler. And Tyler says, you're welcome. And then she says, oh, I gotta go. She's waking up because her mom starts to stir. She hangs up and she says, hey. And Liz says, what happened? And Caroline says, you missed lunch. And Liz was like, okay, this seems like it's been a busy day. Yeah. (laughs) We go over to where Tyler was on the phone and we realize they're in the traveler house. They're in Marcos's house. And Tyler says to Marcos, so we know it's not really Tyler, but we don't know who's taken over Tyler's body. Um, So I'm going to call him Tyler. Yeah. Tyler says, we're in. She's oblivious. And Marcos says, not a bad upgrade either. So Marcos is calling his dear friend ugly. So ugly. (laughs) (laughs) Tyler says, this body is incredible. (laughs) because i'm sorry i don't know i don't care who i look like before if i get to as a man if i get to go in that body it's pretty hard to get better than that it's like if i as a passenger got put into nina dobrev's body yeah i have no issue with myself right now but i would certainly have fewer issues if i was in nina dobrev's body yeah marco says don't get used to it once this is over and the town is ours tyler says i know it's gone which seems to imply that they will be back in their own bodies once they get this spell taken care of, so they're allowed to settle. Marcos says, did you bring it? And Tyler says, this is the only knife left, because of course they let Tyler have the traveler knife. And so Marcos takes the knife and says, was the only knife left? He puts it in the fire, he does a spell, it burns. And that's the end of the episode. So we've talked at length, we don't need to say any more about how the travelers are so lame and anticlimactic and how Marcos is so go, go, give us nothing. But how do you think they're going to defeat the travelers without the traveler knife? How do you think they're going to get rid of passengers? Like what's, what's their like next move here? If you had to guess. Yeah. So 
I mean, it does seem that we're at this situation where the travelers are trying to take over this town. And then if they win the town, all the passengers are free. But so that implies that at the end of this, it's kind of like a town that at one point we've talked about this as a potential that becomes like this haven for like supernatural creatures, travelers in in particular. Mm -hmm. The other thing to think about is I've said for a long time that I think the other side is going to collapse yeah. Because I want to look back and I think that's the way to do it. I mean, that's the motivator for it, obviously. So I think this could end with the travelers essentially quote unquote winning and that somehow that means getting rid of the other side. Now, that doesn't mean everyone's going to come out of it. it. And, you know, maybe that people get sucked up before the other side collapses, either to peace or to wherever else. If the other side collapses, do you think people will either like go to wherever people are getting sucked up to or back to Earth? Do you think those are the only two options or what's going to happen to all the other side people if it collapses? I think as it collapses, most people will get sucked up to wherever someone else is going or somehow stay dead. I, like, I don't think we're going to get like an influx of people coming back. I want to make that clear. Okay. Although at this point, the only people we really have that I think we have a potential to come back are Alaric, Lexi, and Cole. Those are okay. kind of the big three at the moment. I see Lexi finding peace. Or that it's just not mentioned, you know? Cole, I mean, even if he somehow comes back, I assume he'd move to New Orleans. Yeah, he'd spin off. So he's kind of irrelevant. So I do think we still have a good chance at a lurk returning for me. So you think he's somehow gonna, like, when the other side collapses, like, somersault into the world? No, it's like whoever... Uh, here's my thought, is that the other side is there people getting sucked up. And whoever has not been sucked up when it collapses will come back, essentially. But they won't stay dead? They'll be, like, alive? No, maybe some of them will, but Alaric won't. Alaric will be alive? Yeah. I mean, you said, like, they may be making Mystic Falls like a haven for supernatural creatures. Could it be that just, like, it's a place where now ghosts can walk in the world? So, like, some, like Alaric could be back, but as a ghost, not alive? Potentially. Like, the veil essentially is dropped if the other side collapses? It's just, like, a little unclear how, like, it collapses and some people just get to stick around. It kind of feels a little bit, like, unfair. Yeah, but life isn't fair. <laughs> yeah, neither is death. <laughs> So that brings us to the end of this week's episode. As always, if you are enjoying Vampire Diaries and or Doppelgangers, please tell your friends and give us five stars rating and review on Apple and Spotify podcasts. And follow us on Instagram at Doppelgangers Podcast. But that's it for this week. Until next week, goodbye, brother. Goodbye, brother. <laughs>